Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good afternoon, Chelsea fans, and welcome to the latest Blue is the Colour podcast with me, Tom Marshall-Bailey, editor for Football.London, uh, Oliver Harbord, our Chelsea writer. Good Hello. afternoon. Speaking Sorry, over it's each too, other early, too early, I'm so keen. <laughs> and, uh, and Kevin Byrne to our digital feature and transfers editor. Very glad to be here. Good afternoon then, lads. Um, we'll start with the Swansea game at the weekend. It was perhaps the kind of test that, that Chelsea have needed, I guess, to prove that it's it's not going to be you know they're not going to have it all their own way in, the, in for the rest of the title race they're not going to be able to just sweep teams away but there was a, a good resilience there about the way that obviously went into the lead Swansea came back but ultimately they had the tools to and they had the resources to get past them in the end yeah I mean firstly I'm gutted that I didn't predict three one because uh, I said that originally and then changed my mind um, <clears throat> yeah I mean look it was one of those games that you knew that Chelsea were going to dominate possession and they did they, they took control of the game throughout really um, there was an element of luck you've got to say in the actual end result um, you know the, it got to one all and Swansea could easily have had a penalty that says our Aspilicueta handball <clears throat> not quite sure how it wasn't given a handball to be honest uh, Paul Clement gave a bit of a juggling sign on the uh, sidelines when it was when it was done and we we could all see it and it, and it wasn't given and then uh, you know they go and score through a sort of Fabianski howler really that we're so uh, accustomed to sort of seeing him <laughs> over the years do made some great saves and it was a bit of a shame for him but all in all a, a pretty comfortable comfortable win um, but yeah you're right what a test that they needed to get through because we knew how they were going to line up Swansea were very organised they hit them with a sucker punch goal through Lorente fantastic header through Lorente and uh, they needed to come through it and in the end you know, it was a comfortable result on the scoreboard but definitely not at the time it, it felt like it could be a frustrating afternoon and it almost was We'll keep it brief because I think we've been probably at the risk of um, almost paying, paying homage to Cesc Fabrias <laughs> on the website on the podcast throughout the last few weeks but I don't think we can really gloss over his contribution on Saturday he was brilliant again yeah, I mean, we we discussed whether or not Kante would actually make the change, whether he was willing to adapt the system, because you knew Swansea were going to be hard to break down, and for for everything Madage can do, that's not a speciality. And in fairness to Kante, he said himself after the game that that's exactly why he made the change. So it's really nice to know that he's listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, but no, like I, you couldn't have scripted it any better for Chelsea, really, in terms of, at this stage in the season, having a slightly difficult win that ended up being comfortable enough at home. You know, it's, it's, it's enough to kick them up the arse a bit and wake them up a bit, but it was never really that troubling that they're going to question themselves too hard. It, it was a very... It was a comfortable test, I think is the best way of looking at it for Chelsea. I, it's 
I'd say Conte's very happy with it. And it's 20 wins in the league from 26 games now for, for Chelsea and for Conte. It's an incredible record. And yet, I, I mean, I, I was kind of looking at Conte during the second half, um, having a look at some of the highlights from the game, and he, he seemed to be really kind of... There was a real urgency about him on the touchline, pacing up and down. He, he didn't look comfortable. And there was an element of luck involved with it, you know, as P could have been um, penalised for handball, and then obviously the Fabianski era at the other end, and and then all of a sudden Chelsea calmed down a little bit and and let the you know football do the talking for them. Yeah, I mean, and that came from the second goal. I mean, there was a real sense of tension around the ground from the from the fans, from the supporters. You know, they were really urging them forward. I think just because you know there was it was such a brilliant opportunity to go eleven points clear. I mean, obviously ten points clear now, but at the time eleven points clear and. And it was just that sense around the ground, you could feel it, that there was, you know, it wasn't, the fans weren't getting on top of the players at all, but there was that that feeling of, right, come on, let's just get this second goal, let's do it, let's do it. And going back to Sesk as well, you know, that second goal wouldn't have happened without him, if Matic had been in that position. Yeah. It wouldn't have happened because he got the ball and he threaded through this the ball straight into Pedro's feet, a sort of pass that Matic probably would have looked to the side and played. Um, and so it was one of those that, you know, he again he was instrumental in a lot of good things. And, and you're right, Conte, you know, he paces up and down at the best of times. And he was, it was definitely for the first 25 minutes of that second half, definitely a bit of edge around the place. And then, you know, it just settled down as soon as the goal went in. And Pedro's becoming increasingly invaluable to this Chelsea team on a day when they didn't look like they were going to fire on all cylinders. Obviously, second half bit of frustration Fabianski Howler obviously Chelsea benefit from and Pedro gets his goal but he's coming up with crucial interventions at crucial times in, in crucial games yeah I mean it, it took him a bit of time to get settled properly into, into Chelsea but you know the Manchester United fans are going to be kicking themselves that they couldn't get him you know they, it, it looked all but certain that he's going to go to United back when he made the transfer but you know, came to Chelsea at the last minute. He's been a great signing. He's he's someone who needed to get out of Barcelona to find himself properly, to to flourish like he is now, and he's having a great season. And yeah, and going just going back to Conte and the the kind of passion that he shows on the sidelines. You know, that's exactly what Chelsea fans want to see from their manager. And you know, the final whistle blows and then he actually enjoys himself, unlike uh, another former Chelsea manager who <laughs> may have not enjoyed the win over the weekend as much as he should have. So, I don't know, I think you know, Conte's just, he's a competitor. While it's going on, he's never going to allow himself to enjoy it. It's, it's the aftermath where he kind of shines. Just on the Spaniards, did you think there was a real relationship between the three Fabregas, Pedro, Diego Costa and the way that they linking up with each other, movement off the ball and that kind of thing do you think that there was the kind of I don't want to say telepathy but mm. you know, kind of that relationship, rapport I guess with one another, appreciation for where each other is on the pitch. Yeah I mean well Fabregas has spoken about that before, he said you know, the, the, in one of his sort of Instagram live videos that he likes to do, he's, he, you know, he was asked the question, "Who understands you the best?" And Pedro was his answer, and the second answer was Diego Costa. And, and there is just that, you know, you you do get that telepathy because they just, as soon as Fabregas gets the ball, he's looking up and trying to hit 
those three, you know, Hazard as well. And um, you do get that feeling, you know, you can see the runs over the top. He plays, you know, Pedro knows that if he makes the run, Fabregas is going to look to try and find him. Yeah. And I think the thing with Pedro as well, what's been so good about him, he's just, he's been given that free reign, a bit like Hazard in the sense that, you know, they can put, they can look to go forward as much as possible. But with also the insurance policy exactly with with Moses. and yeah. Canty and and whatever and, and it's controlled chaos yeah <laughs> absolutely but also the thing is about Pedro that's separating him from Costa and Hazard at the moment is it's just his level of consistency compared to the others each week so far I know you know the FA Cup he was playing at wing back and he was showing up a little bit defensively at wing back but still going forward he was superb <laughs> and I think that level of consistency he's bringing to his game he's brought to his game is the new level I think that Chelsea fans have been looking for and to be keeping Willian out of the game as we've spoken about before to be keeping him out of the team it's just incredible really and, and the level he's, he's found is, is really taking his game to a whole new level yeah his, his, con- his contribution to goals I was just going to say his contribution to goals as well seven goals and six assists now mm. in the Premier League He's, he's up there with Costa and Hazard. He's producing regularly. He's, produce, he's producing the goods, but he's also working hard as well. I think that's probably one of the reservations some fans would have had is that with Willian, you are guaranteed to have that work rate. But Pedro's tracking back. He's winning balls. He's, he's playing it simple. He's not overcomplicating it. And he's, as I say, he's you know, delivering in the final third. Yeah, well, he, you know, Fabregas and Pedro both come from La Masia. They... They both know that style of play very well. And when Pedro was at Barcelona, he was, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say bit part, but he wasn't, he wasn't the star of the show. And he's not, he's not quite the star of the show at Chelsea now, but he's, he's been given more reign to, to kind of let loose. But he still has that mentality of he doesn't need to be the, the focal point of the team. He's willing to work hard, which... You know, we've spoken about it before. The, there's not a huge amount of depth in the Chelsea squad at the moment, but just sort of immediate replacements are very high quality. And to be keeping out Willian after the season he had last year, where he was the only one who covered himself in any sort of credit, mm. is just incredible. Well, that's that's must be why it's taking him to another level as well, because he knows that if yeah. his level does drop, Hazard's almost seen as undroppable by a lot of people you leave Ed and Hazard out of the team you're making a big statement you know yeah. Costa as well is in the same so Pedro really it's always been between Pedro and William those are those are the two players that have always interchanged so for him to stay in the in the side keep his place he has to be playing at this high level and at the moment it's just that's exactly what he's doing yeah well at the moment you'd, you'd sooner drop Hazard than you would Pedro yeah. at the moment there is, yeah, there's definitely an argument for that. I mean, the way that Pedro's been playing, yeah. I mean, but then Hazard just is just that moment of quality oh, again. I mean, yeah. he did it for, the, goal, for goal. the Costa goal, you know, exactly. just found the byline and then straight to Costa and, and another goal. So, you know, you're not going to drop any of them at the moment. No, <laughs> it's no, just no, incredible. Right. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good system at the moment. Yes, yeah. And yet, there remains probably one key weakness in this team, which can, the last six goals have conceded. Five of five of those have been headers mm. Lorente as, as good a goal as it was great header it's a free kick that's come from what 40 45 yeah, yards just inside out. the Chelsea half yeah. exactly a lot of time to be dealing with that ball a lot of time to organise in the area and it just felt a little bit the defending just felt a bit yeah well it was the organisation you're right it's the, I mean if you watch it back as well you can see that nobody really has a clue who they're picking up that was the one 
I mean, they, I don't know if they were thinking, oh, it's half time. Whether they thought because it was over the you know the minute added on anyway, maybe they thought they, they might blow up when he kicks it. Sort of, yeah, the, and it did feel like that. And I think at the end it was it was Moses who had Lorente, and you're thinking. <laughs> Moses, really? Out of all the players, you you know, Lorente, the biggest threat in the air. We talked about him last week. You know, well, he, he's, about him. he's someone that Chelsea earmarked themselves as someone that they wanted to bring in. They yeah. they know his threat. Yeah, and they and but you could see it. You could see it across the board. Nobody knew who they were really picking up, and in the end, it could have cost them a couple of points. And I think that's the one area, this headed area, especially going to the into the West Ham game, yeah. as I'm sure we'll talk about, and their threat. Is aerially, especially if Andy Carroll plays, that uh, that Conte will be working on. I'm sure when the players are back. Well, in there's training. there's a possible solution in the Chelsea squad to kind of alleviate that threat uh, in Nathan Ake, who you've seen since he left Bournemouth. The kind of goals that they've been conceding have they weren't conceding a lot of headers, and then he left, and now they are conceding headers. Chelsea are conceding headers, and they have Ake in their squad, and they're not using him. So you know, we talked before about. Leave. Where would he go? Oh, well, that's the, that's the thing. We're, we talked before about whether or not he would replace Cahill, and we said, you know, Cahill's organisation is so important mm. to that Chelsea defence. But if he's not doing that, is yeah. it is it worth giving Ake a chance? I mean, looking at the, the game on Saturday, I was, I was I was a bit confused by by Louise's performance. Actually, it seemed. It seemed almost like a casual performance, a bit like a no, not from David. Yeah, well, I know, but this is what we've been talking about all, all season. He's been people have. have I've given him plaudits for the way he's gone about himself and the way, how different he's been to this time around than the first time at Chelsea. And, and you know, he's, he's really been on the ball and he's really looked like the proper central defender that they wanted. But there's something about the way he played on Saturday, just, just you know, the odd sloppy pass here and there. And then he tried to control one early in the first half. He tried to, you know, do a little fancy control and it, all, and it went through to Lorente. And, you know, a quicker player, someone like Vardy or someone, would have taken that ball and gone through. Uh, and it was just a very odd performance. Like I don't know. I mean, I'm not accusing the guy of his, his brain not being in it, but it was that sort of feeling about it. And so, yeah, it was it was an odd one. A bit, bit lackadaisical. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit. It was a bit of a throwback to the old days. I thought on Saturday. So, do you think that maybe Conte could bring in Ake even just for one game, not even necessarily to make Ake a starter, but just to scare some of the other guys a little bit well yeah just to just to show them that their place isn't secure I mean that's always an option absolutely I'm not Cause, sure because we just we just talked about the benefit of that for Pedro yeah absolutely yeah I think I think you'd have to pick your match on it I'm not sure under the lights at the London Stadium is a great shout for it because I think the atmosphere yeah. will get the players up anyway maybe you know three o'clock at home against Swansea some of the players maybe yeah weren't quite just on there, you know, weren't as up for it as maybe they should have done. Whereas, you know, at, at the London Stadium against West Ham, it's just going to be, you know, we think hell for leather throughout the whole game. Yeah, well, you know, you, there is that other problem though of Louise in the past letting the mm. passion of these kind of events get to him. Absolutely, and he's always got that still in him. He, yeah. he's still and you can't take that out of him. No, no, of course you can't, and that's what makes him a great player. But sometimes he can go a little bit over the line there was a bit of an incident where he threw his arm into I think it was Lorenzi's face and got a yellow card for it in the second half and and another referee might have seen that differently and even yeah. given him a red for it so there is that element to his game but let's hope that on Monday night he doesn't cross the line but providing um, he's fit mm. they're going to have a real test on their hands on Monday in, a, in Andy Carroll 
you'd imagine Slaven Bilic is going to try and rush that through given Antonio's suspension yeah. and the options beyond that are Andre Ayew admittedly scored at Watford but yeah but it was a rebound absolutely <laughs> right place right time and then you've got Jonathan Caleri beyond mm. that you'd, you'd think for such a big game Bilic would, would want to have Carroll back in the fold it's one of those as well where West Ham are in that kind of difficult position now glass ceiling almost where similar to Stoke City uh, teams such as that West they're Brom, only, West Brom mm. exactly they're only going to reach a certain point they will be so up for this game this is their cup final and that's why it's it's a big warning for Chelsea, really, as much as anything. They've got, they've got to be, you know, really at it. Yeah, they absolutely do, and and I think you're right. I think if Carroll's eighty percent fit, he'll play. Um, I just think, as you say, I mean, it was a ridiculous sending off from Antonio. Really, I mean, if he was trying to put himself in the shop window to go to Chelsea, this would have been a brilliant opportunity for him, <laughs> and uh, and he's sort of ruined it. And it, you know, and it, as you say, that the, there's not a lot of options there for them up front. I think with, as we've spoken about the headers situation, I think that Carroll will be such a threat that I think Billish just has to play him if he's if he's anywhere close to being fully fit, even if it's just for 65 minutes or something like that. Yeah. He, yeah, you know, he's he's he gets a lot of grief uh, kind of related to that 35 million transfer to Liverpool, mm. which, you know, it's not his fault. Um if he were able to stay injury free, he would be one of the best strikers in the Premier League. We've um, gone there. Yeah, We've gone no. There. And and I'm someone who uh, will quite often, you know, talk down English players, but I think Andy Carroll is one of the few who he doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, he's a very very good player. He can head the ball. He's very athletic. He's kind of sneaky athletic. Is the term? I just that, saw his goal a few weeks ago. Yeah, the, yeah. the against Palace. Mm. Uh, who have been so unlucky with <laughs> wonder goals this year? Do you think, as a result of his likely inclusion, Matic may come back in this this week? Um, I think it's a it's a game for Matic. I think it's a game for Matic, but to drop Fabregas would just seem it seem harsh. But maybe it is a game. Maybe it, he, this could be a game that the front three have enough to go out and just win it themselves it's a big old pitch at the London Stadium it's not like you know they shouldn't be as frustrated they should have more chance to run and maybe Matic there in the middle and for those set pieces Arsenal Manchester City have had plenty of joy there of course the spaces in behind the back four I mean that was pre-Jose Fonte I think from watching West Ham recently I can see that he has already kind of made an improvement on that defence I think Mm. he's a great player but they are likely to leave gaps in behind the way that they're Kuyate, if he plays at right back, not a natural right back, you would fa- <laughs> you would fancy Hazard over him every day of the week. Yeah, but and then you need to you need the right players to be able to provide those those balls and, and over yeah. the top and and is Matic going to do that? Maybe not. Maybe it's maybe it's worth the risk of playing Fabregas again. I'd... Well, I, I think this is where Conte's man management has to come into it. And this is kind of the biggest test he's faced so far because it's been plain sailing so far for Conte Chelsea but if you can put his arm around Fabregas and say look you were brilliant at the weekend against Swansea and I want you to do it again but I want you to do it for the last 30 minutes I'm going to bring I'm going to start with Maddich we're going to tire them out and then you're going to come on with half an hour to go 
and just be able to run the show. Mm. And you're right, you've got to expect a fast start from them. You've got to expect that they're going to be launching long balls from the outset. If Carol, if Carroll's there as a focal point and they've got players like Lanzini, Faguli roaming around him, mm. then they're going to want to get them get them on the ball and get you know balls into Andy Carroll so he can knock them down as soon as possible. They're, an early goal for them would just change the whole complexion of the game. And yeah, absolutely. What... I mean, because the fans will be up for it. The you know the whole atmosphere is going to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about the London Stadium atmosphere wise over the season, but this is a game that, you know, if they're not going to be up for Chelsea on a Monday night under the lights at home, you know. Well, we, we saw how they got up for it uh, under the lights on what was it a Tuesday night in the EFL Cup. Yeah. Mm. So J- just on that, we we understand. Um, Story's just gone live actually this afternoon about West Ham aren't planning any additional security measures. Do you feel like that's a, a massive oversight given what happened and and given that, that it's another night kickoff? Well, they they have implemented new measures since that that EFL Cup game that you know seem to have helped a bit. They're not introducing any specific measures for the Chelsea game. Uh, this time around but after the last one they introduced these new measures for just any match so you know whether or not that they're enough remains to be seen Uh, I'm not sure if you guys know my background I'm not a stadium planner Uh, (laughs) thanks for the clarity yeah I think it's always important I think um, that's that's what we employed you solely on the basis I thought that was your part time job wasn't it moonlighting as a stadium planner it's it's more of a hobby right But yeah, no, it's you know, it's it's uh, you know disappointing to see that we do have to talk about these things, but ignoring the issue is not going to make it go away. No, I think it's all it's it always brings it up this game, doesn't it? Really, in a lot of these sort yeah. of big clashes like this and East versus West. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the original start. I was there earlier in the season for for the uh, Watford West Ham game and. and just the layout of it just seemed absolutely abysmal like the fact that you know the the fans could be on top of each other as well there's like a bar there was a bar above the away fans but the home fans could be at the bar and it all just seemed completely confusing really and not built for football and I think it's, it's almost like it wasn't planned to be a Premier League stadium it feels like that yeah um, and Who'd you know I really hope that it just we can just talk about the game and not yeah. have to talk about that afterwards and but you just never know, do you? Unfortunately, at the at the moment, and sort of, it could quite easily spiral. A common connection between West Ham and Chelsea, of course, Mr. Frank Lampard. Mm. Wonderful celebrations at the Bridge on Saturday. A good opportunity for all the fans and, and for him to say farewell. Um, can you just open up on on how you felt it, it went for fans? I know a lot of people on Twitter were saying. Not a, not a dry eye in the house. I think that kind of sums things up quite nicely. Yeah, it was a really emotional, obviously an emotional time for for Frank Lampard because he never really got to say goodbye. Um, I think you know I saw a few things on social media criticising, not him, criticising the board for not giving him a proper send off when he did eventually leave. Um, and now you know he has retired. He's got no ties really to any other club. That he was able to come back and say a final good work, goodbye. And I think that it was just a it was just a really nice moment, you know. It was tipping it down with rain, but everyone still stayed in their seats, um, and it was just great to see so many fans, you know, pay their respects to, to someone who was just such a great player for for Chelsea and England. And you know, it was a it was an, you could see how emotional it was for him 
to say goodbye to you know obviously West Ham is, is a big part of his history but Chelsea arguably is even bigger so yeah. you know it's um, it was it was definitely an emotional afternoon for him no he's he's such a special player and such an important player in, in just the context of not even Chelsea but just the English game he's Chelsea's all-time scorer from midfield which tells you all you really need to know about what kind of a player he was you know regardless of what team you support you got to admit that he was always incredibly fun to watch and he's also one of the the players who again he just seemed like a nice guy he seemed like he was having fun out there which is exactly what fans want to see and it's why he connected so well with the Chelsea fans he just he just loved playing for the club and they loved supporting him yeah and there's no doubt that he will be connected to the club for you know they they have basically an open policy at Chelsea they really want this group of players that are that were in that area, him, Lampard, uh, Ashley Cole, they all, they all want them to, to be around, to stick around, and, and once they, they do their badges, to be part of the setup in some way. Um, you know, we'll see how long Conte's at, at, the, at the club, and then but whoever takes over from him, whether he can set up, whether it'll be in the you know, academy like Steven Gerrard up at Millwood, but, you know, it will definitely happen, there's no doubt about it. I can't see him really coaching any other club no. to begin with, and he'll, he'll stay part of the setup. Uh, and for, you know, the hundreds of millions of pounds that they spent mm. since Abramovich came in, you know, Lampard and Terry were the only two constants in that whole time, really. And the Czech as well, I guess, yeah. up, up until about two, two seasons ago. But, you know, it still goes to show that even in this kind of massively globalised sporting world, you can still find the kid down the road mm. and make him into a hero yeah absolutely and it felt fitting perhaps even symbolic on the day that Fabregas's goal a run from midfield into the box collects it first time finish into the bottom corner yeah it had a very Frank Lampard feel to it absolutely <laughs> and he almost did it again when he um, I think Hazard pulled it back to the edge of the box and he smashed it against the bar he did you know he was making those sort of runs that, that Lampard did so well and, and made and you know is Fabregas the same as Lampard no it's not no. quite he's, a, he's an assist machine we, we know that about Fabregas whereas Lampard was definitely more of a goal scoring machine I don't think we're going to see anyone like Lampard for a very long time he's because you were you were asking the other day kind of who would have been since Lampard who would have been Chelsea's you know goal scoring box to box midfielder and we kind of decided that they can't think of anyone really in world mm. football who does the kind of stuff that Lampard did no He's just a, such a special player. And just looking ahead to Monday, um, what do we think the score's going to be? How do, you, how do you see it going? Do you think do you think A, Matic will return? Do you think he'll go with Fabregas and, and continue with that, you know, burgeoning form that he's in? He's on a roll at the moment. Does he, as, as Kev says, does he have to, is this a test of his man management skills? How do you see it playing out? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with what West Ham team turns up I think a lot of it yeah. can be done can be with that we could talk about Chelsea all day long but you know the West Ham team that turns up like they did against Man City are just going to get pounded again or you know you just don't know do you so I see, I would like I'd like him to keep Fabregas in the team I just think just to unlock it I understand Kev's point absolutely about having Matic in there for the first sort of 60 minutes or so bringing on Fabregas and seeing what happens um, I actually think that Chelsea will I have a feeling they'll hammer them. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> I, th- 
I think it might be. The a, fact you clarified that suggests you absolutely did intend it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've written it on my uh, notepad uh, ever since ever since I woke up. Um, I think I'm going to go four one. Four one Chelsea. It's funny you say that. I was thinking four nil. Oh. Yeah, I think uh, I really really like Fabregas, and he's someone who I've been saying should be starting over Madrid, but I do expect Madrid to start, and I do think that he. Sh- Kante should go with Madage to start the game. Just because, imagine how demoralising it would be of just being mm. battered by Chelsea for 60 minutes. Then you stop for to catch your breath, and who do you see coming on but Willian and Fabregas? <laughs> <laughs> you just give it's, up. It's, it's a fate that quite a few teams have had to suffer this Yeah, season, you, you, you just give up at that stage. So yeah, I think it might not necessarily feel like a 4-0, but I, I think it'll be one of those ones that, you know, it might be 1 or 2-0. And then the last 10 minutes, Chelsea will add on an extra two or three and get it to 4-0. And, you know, despite all the, the worries about the headers, I do think that just the ultra-attacking style that Chelsea can impose on West Ham, I think that will, it'll be kind of the best defence's attack in this situation. And it is a big question mark over Carroll, isn't it? Really? It I is. He's, he's, not been, he's not been consistently fit no. for a long time. Absolutely not. Without wishing to sound like a football cliches fanboy, I think the first goal will be incredibly important. In this game. <laughs> um, West Ham score it. If, if they score early, I can see Chelsea encountering a few problems, particularly after the Burnley game. I, I'm not convinced as much as you two. They'll have it all their own way next week. I can see it being a little bit tighter than that. But I think as soon as the first goal goes in, which I would expect Chelsea to score, I think... I can't see a way back for West Ham after that. If they have to start playing out from the back and get actually getting involved in a football match, I think they'll just get picked off and that front three are going to have far too much for that defence. So I'm going to say 2-0, I think. 2-0. Sitting on the fence just a little. Fair enough. Is that sitting on the fence? <laughs> as much as you can be. Just, just a little. <laughs> just a little. Not, not quite going all guns blazing with a 4-0 or a 4-1 unfortunately but uh, fortune favours the brave I fully fully expect them to stay top and by some margin as well Um, that's all we've got time for unfortunately gents so thank you very much Ollie for joining us this afternoon thank you and thank you Kev thank you very much Um, we'll have plenty more Chelsea content going out this afternoon and into the evening on uh, www.football.london and also give us a follow at ChelseaFC underscore FL Um, And we'll be back next week um, with a a post-West Ham podcast, probably on the Wednesday, I'd assume. Post-West Ham celebration. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll give Ollie Ollie a day off as well, because he he probably deserves one. Um, And uh, we'll see you next week on the Blue Is A Colour podcast. Thank you and goodbye.